Move up, son. Word. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode three of the Mobcast. Joined by Adam and Caleb, the boys today. Your boys got COVID. Uh, he's feeling like shit. But the good news is we got 30 to 45 minutes to sit here and discuss the cats. Uh, absolute shellacking 45 to nothing over SEMO this weekend. Just an overall feel-good game. Dominant in all three aspects of the ball. I'm sure that us three will find something to nitpick, but overall, just a great weekend to get back out to Manhattan. Uh, so, guys, what did you guys think overall? Takeaways, something you were happy about? What are y'all thinking? You know, I think the naysayers are going to point at our opponent saying, oh, well, they're they're SEMO, they're an FCS team, blah, blah, blah. They're in the middle of nowhere, Missouri. Anyway, they are a pretty solid FCS team. They have a two-time All-American running back. We held them to six rushing yards on 26 attempts. Excellent defense per- defense performance, excellent offense performance. Hopefully this has eased some of the nerves that fans may have had about depth on our roster. That's that's my main takeaway is I think we are, f- for the most part, deeper than people thought we were going to be. Um, I was uh, really pleased, especially with the defensive side of things. Like Adam said, you know, they have um, a very experienced offensive line and one of the best running backs in FCS, and they did absolutely nothing all day. Um, and the, the depth on defense especially, I was very, very happy about. Um, looked very good on that side of the ball. Um, if I could nitpick something, I guess I would nitpick that uh, the right side of the offensive line was giving up a lot of pressure until Cooper Beebe moved over there, but the offense looked great nonetheless, so I'm happy. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, it is game one, so the nice part about having an extremely experienced offensive line and an absolute dog in Cooper Beebe is that they're basically plug-and-play players. I know some of them are stuck in their positions like Gilliam, but – when you look at the depth of this offensive line, I mean, um, you know, you look at uh, Line Gang, you look at Levingston, and you look at BB, and you look at Portier and Panzer. I mean, there there is so many players that you can switch in between spots that, uh, like, if you're going to use game time to figure out where to put players, like, let's figure it out versus SEMA. Let's figure it out versus Troy's. So when we show up to UCF, when we show up to um, Oklahoma State, all these other teams will be able to have it figured out. But yes, I did notice that Will was under a bit of a, dis- a bit of distress during the game. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that I kind of, I wouldn't say necessarily noticed, but I like, I felt with the way we were playing on Saturday is we were kind of using SEMO as a Guinea pig. Um, if there's any opportunity to really test some funky or new ideas out, like, um, Treshawn Ward throwing a pass to Will Howard. This is the game to do it. And clearly, like I just said, we took some of those opportunities. So, um, of course, you want your first game against uh, a lesser opponent to be a dominant performance. Um, but, uh, you know, if we saw some funky things going on, I wouldn't be too alarmed by that. I, I know I sound a bit like a soothsayer right now, but I, I think. I feel really confident going into the next few games that we will figure some or, you know, iron some of those wrinkles out. I completely agree. I mean, I, uh, the right tackle and 
Shit, that's it. I I seriously <laughs> cannot think of anything else, dude. That was such a comforting game to go to. Will Howard uh, got hit while he threw and threw one pick. Besides that, I mean, shit, Caleb, we talked about the game. There was a throw <laughs> that this man made where it was it was uh, on the sideline. Uh, ben Sennett had he oh. came back and it was it it might have been one of the prettiest throws I've seen in person. He uh, just he slotted it right between the corner and the oh, safety shit. on the run. I mean, it was just a thing of beauty. So one thing that I really liked is that pass from Will Howard to Jaden Jackson, the first touchdown of the game. I think it was like about 33 yards. I, I watched the game earlier today, but I didn't quite catch the yardage on it. But it was just out of reach of the defensive player. Uh, it, you know, of course, you can always say, oh, this pass could have been made a little bit better. But Jaden Jackson's first career touchdown at K-State, uh, he transferred in from Ole Miss last year, uh, redshirted. So we didn't get to see him play any last year. Um, in fact, for the second game, he's listed as the starting wide receiver or one of the starting wide receivers. So I'm kind of excited to see how we can work him into the offense, too. Uh, shout out RJ Garcia. Holy cow. Uh, hell of a game. Uh, there's, you know, that was that is the type of game for for him to have, you know, right off the bat that really sets up his season. Uh, five receptions, 119 yards, <laughs> almost average 25 yards a catch, touchdown, longest reception, 44 yards. Um, including in that, I want to add in Ben Sinnott, five catches as well, 100 yards, 20, 20 yards per reception. Big, big shout out to RJ. I mean, um, you know, came in in 2021, redshirted, and then going into the 2022 season, Kleiman talked him up a lot during fall camp and just thought you know we'd see him more as a redshirt freshman but just so hard to crack the rotation with the three guys that we had last year and he never complained kept his head down and was a huge reason why we won the big 12 championship catching that touchdown against tcu and arlington and so to see him you know keep his head down never complain and look like he could really be a feature of this offense this year is I'm, I'm just so happy for him. And man, he just, he, I, I played receiver. So, you know, I, I can appreciate a, a guy that can really run routes and the way he gets in and out of breaks and catches with his hands. He's just, I think he's going to be a, a special, special player, not only this year, but for, for years to come. So if you want to talk about young guns, Let's talk about the fact that we played 77 different players in this game. Yeah. Like when I talk about guinea pigging against SEMO, I don't have like the true freshman number, but we had to have been approaching, if not surpassed, the record for K-State number of true freshmen in a game. Um, not just in like garbage time, like the last five minutes of a game. I'm talking like basically from the beginning of the fourth quarter on, we were putting anyone in. Third quarter too. Yeah, like honestly, half of third quarter and all of the fourth. It was like we we were seeing guys that we probably wouldn't have expected to see. Um, and this, like I, I mean, said, this is the game to do it. I I got my joy back. This class of twenty three, <laughs> dude. This class of twenty three. When I tell you is going to be so goddamn special. There are so many players in the in this class who are. I mean, it, it just. You can kind of tell um, the difference in the boost of recruiting. Uh, yeah. Trey Spivey, uh, that's a grown-ass man. Dog. <laughs> yeah. That's a grown-ass man. Uh, I was out. I remember I saw him catch that pass from Avery, and I was like, is that fucking, is that? 
Is that Keegan Johnson? Like, that guy's huge. No, it's a true freshman. Ridiculous. Uh, also, we didn't even have our, our best receiver, in my opinion, in Keegan Johnson. So uh, as much as our wide receiver ha- you know, had a field day, uh, Jace Brown got in there. Um, yeah, he looked good. Th- that's what I'm saying, man. Like, it, it was such a good day uh, for a class at 23. And I guess that really kind of moves us on to, uh, to Avery Johnson. Uh, gentlemen, that boy's got Big 12 titles in his future. He's so good, dude. I certainly hope so. He is so good. He, um, he just his uh his demeanor for a kid that's eighteen. What is he? I don't know if he's nineteen yet, but you know, true freshman. And I, I granted it's an FCS team, but he commands the huddle. He, I'm so impressed with his ability to keep his eyes downfield when the play breaks down and and deliver strikes on the move, like instead of just taking off and running. He's uh. He's he's got a great head on his shoulders too. I was so like happy with some of the stuff that he said after the game. You know, he was interviewed and said that when talking about being behind Will and what he's learning from Will, he said, "I don't think that I could be in a better position than I am right now, learning from Will." So he just he's the complete package. We're so lucky to have him here, and uh, he. I mean, I know, I know, we, we're playing Semo, but he looked absolutely fantastic. Two things really quick uh, with with Avery. Uh, this is just my personal opinion, and it may be wrong, but a comparison that I was thinking about uh, while watching him is Taylor Martinez from Nebraska. Um, his speed and ability when the play breaks down to uh, just it, – it's almost like he has a sixth sense. Like there was – there there was one where they, they really got to the backfield, and it, I know he ended up going out of bounds, but – I mean, for a true freshman to make that kind of play, it, it his ceiling is so high. It's nuts. I'm in awe watching him play. Like, I had expectations, and then they were just so far surpassed that I was just sitting there like a kid on Christmas. Um, and the second thing is, let's just burn his red shirt, dude. That's, that's the type of player that is going to have the ability to grow pro by his senior season. And I, it's such a special talent that, you know, to even bench him or even redshirt him just for, you know, this year is a gamble on his own. He's that good. So um, I hope to see him much more this upcoming season. Caleb, I know you made that post about over under uh, games played for him and as if he was going to burn his redshirt. And tonight or Saturday really – change my opinion on that when he checked into the game instead of whoever else because they're just kids and i'm not throwing anyone under the bus but when he checked in the game i was like yeah this kid's the truth because there's no like no one besides and and uh climate had said this that no one in his coaching career besides easton stick as a quarterback under Chris Kleiman has not redshirted as a freshman. So Avery will be the second quarterback to not redshirt for Chris Kleiman is kind of what I'm seeing is tracking like. And I mean, like Eric said, you know, I mean, I think we'd be really lucky to get four years of Avery Johnson, let alone a fifth one. There's just, there's no need. Just let, let him get out there. Um, not just in I, I I mean I don't know. There's got to be a fine balance, right? Because I'm I was getting ready to say not just garbage time, but you know get him some snaps. But 
Will's so good. You don't want to take Will off the field. But, I mean, like in a running package, like I think that he could get six or eight snaps a game, especially like down around the goal line uh, with his nose for the end zone. And I don't think that that would hurt anything personally. You get a fourth and five on the 10-yard line. And you got, you know, Will just drove the length of the field. There is nothing wrong, in my opinion, of sticking Avery in there, giving him a pass play, and saying, if it breaks down, run. Yeah, I think I think even like, you know, like that full house pistol look that we ran a couple of times that we ran like the trick play out of with, with mm-hmm. Treshawn uh, and, and Ben on either side of Will with DJ behind them. You know, I think – in the red zone with Avery there, some of the option looks and, and QB power and stuff like that that you could run out of that with him, I I don't see a good reason to not have that in the arsenal this year. I, I really don't think that there's a better offensive coordinator for where K-State is at right now than Colin Klein. No. He's a K-State guy through and through. He was obviously a phenomenal quarterback, and he experienced that Snyder offense and you know the offense looks different now um I think partially actually probably quite a bit because Colin knows what it feels like to be a quarterback and what like understanding what your potential and opportunities are and so I think he's giving these quarterbacks the opportunity to um maybe showcase uh, a little bit more of what they're capable of um I have a feeling the quarterbacks have a, a little bit, I mean, not not like a live say, like play by play, but I, I have a feeling that the quarterbacks have a little bit more ownership in the style of offense that's being run um, just because Colin Klein knows what it's like. And he's he's been there as a player at K-State. Um, he knows what it's like to be a quarterback with all this promise and potential. Yeah, I think I think that you're uh, absolutely onto something there, Adam, that I think a little bit of this might be Colin living a little bit vicariously through Will and Avery like he never really like he's he, he's tired of the of the Dana Demmel uh Bill Snyder give the quarterback brain damage off I'm fucking tired of it he's letting him he's letting Will throw that puppy dude I love it moving on to another aspect of the offense uh someone who everyone should be excited for is DJ Giddens um we'll get to Treshawn but uh, DJ Giddens, folks. Uh, I don't know if you all know, this boy averaged eight and a half yards a carry. And let me tell you something. Every single one of those yards was earned. I mean, he was laying boys on their asses. He was putting that shoulder down and Sima was hitting them. And it was like, he was like a, he's made of steel. They would just bounce off him. It's ridiculous. It, it, the fact that he is a sophomore is concerning. 128 yards rushing on 15 carries, man. What a stud. And he and the uh, he's so complete. I mean, he uh he's really using that spin move well. He's he's you know making guys miss with that spin move and uh amazing pass blocker. He was our he, according to PFF after uh Cooper BB, DJ was our second best pass blocker on Saturday. <laughs> yeah he was uh i mean he was just like these guys were coming through on like blitzes and he just would stone them dude i mean he uh he's a, he's a, as complete as they come and like you said just a, just a redshirt sophomore i mean what, what a player here's my hot take on this and i know not everyone will agree with this if we had an offense where dj giddens was like 
100% the guy on on running back, which we have yet to see how how we'll we'll play DJ and Trey Sean mm-hmm. um, together. I genuinely would not be surprised if by different methodology, of course, but it would not surprise me if DJ Giddens had close to comparable production that Deuce Vaughn had just in terms of yardage and carries and yards per carry. Yeah. It's not ridiculous I, to say that. It's not I, ridiculous to say that at all. I agree. I completely agree. I, I mean, I think that, you know, he uh, obviously is a lot different of a, of a running style than Deuce, but they're both so complete. I mean, DJ is really, I know he didn't have a catch on, uh, on Saturday, but you know, last year he showed an ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He can pass block very well. Obviously he did a good job in a couple of those split shotgun sets with him and Trayshawn in the game as a lead blocker and running. I mean, he's a, he can do everything, man. He's a fantastic player. So switching gears here, I'm going to move on to the defense and I have to say, Holy shit, am I excited for this linebacker room? I mean, like Asa had four tackles and he didn't even really fully play until what, the third quarter? Yeah, he he played yeah. a little bit in the first half, but he wasn't really getting like those consistent reps, like a bunch of reps until the third. Um He is fast. Uh he's his sideline to sideline speed and his ability to close on the ball carrier is he's he's going to be special, man. He's he's now, a hell of a player. I have to take a second to gloat here. There weren't that many people who were na- like, nobody really told me that I was wrong, but there were a lot of people worried about the depth of our secondary. I'm just going to say, I told y'all. I mean, they had, SEMO had 30 minutes of possession time. <laughs> K-State had 29 minutes of possession time. We had 28 first downs and SEMO had 13. Like I mentioned earlier, we held them to six rushing yards yep six on 26 rushing attempts and only 227 yards of total offense folks they they barely got down the length of a football field twice that whole game compared to our 588 yeah i uh and that was without that was with uh with you know marquis siegel being suspended too on top of that shout out colby McAllister. yeah colby played phenomenal i do have to say that yes it is simo but to shut out a team in general, overall, when you're subbing in your freshman, that was a complete domination by the entire team. A lot of coaches say everyone had an impact. Everyone had an impact. And the importance and the uh, magnitude of Kansas State shutting out any team in general is humongous for the confidence of that defense. Mm-hmm. and the freshmen who come in and sub in during that time period. So as much as maybe people will kind of throw this to the side and be like it was SEMO, that's a big damn deal. I will just say, circling back to the linebacker depth a little bit, just uh, one thing, I guess one negative to the game. Uh, J- I saw him go into the locker room. Jake Clifton went into the locker room there in the first half, and uh, – DY said that he doesn't think he's going to play versus Troy. So that, that, you know, hopefully that's not long-term, but that's literally the only bad thing that I could say about the defense is that Jake Clifton got hurt. Like other than that, there's really nothing bad that you can say. I mean, Daniel green barely played. Yeah. Uh, Purnell barely played. Neither of them recorded any stat. Like, yeah. As much as it does suck to lose him, I mean, 
Oh, this this linebacker room is nasty. Daniel Green, conference play Daniel Green. My hot take is he's about to have like I mean a season. This is I think this is his big season. Yeah, I mean so, him and him and I I think Daniel Green's going to be as long as he can stay healthy, he's going to be an all Big 12 player and I like I know, like I would put a lot of money on Austin Moore being an all Big 12 player this year. He's just he's just nails. He doesn't miss. I do want to add in, too, um, with just someone that I saw that was really kicking ass, uh, Jacob Parrish stepping up into that corner role. Absolutely. Talking shit, getting in that guy's face. Uh, He's not backing down. And it's going to be very exciting for the future to watch him grow as a player. Dude, I love that. Jacob and uh, and Kobe and Willie were dominating them and letting them know about it, that they were dominating them. And I love that. Will Lee is a lanky man. Stud. Stud. Can you, I mean, it sucked to lose Hayes and Brents and all them, but uh, there was not a lot that I saw yesterday that would give me any inkling of a concern for our secondary. Yeah. I mean, and and like we've said a hundred times, the qualifier that granted it's SEMO, but like I'm, I'm really not worried about the secondary at all this year. I'm really not. I just love seeing the guys have fun. I mean, it's one of the things that I really, it's like one of my favorite things about the defense from last season, other than the fact they were good is they make a big play and they throw up the mob sign. It's just, they're, um, they're having fun. They're enjoying it. They know they're playing well. Um, Mm -hmm. also, I sorry, I wanted I don't want to get off track a, a little bit here, but when I was watching the game back, Damian Olalio had a really good uh oh god, I can't remember if it was a pressure. It was a sack. It was a, it was a sack. Yeah. He he I, I remember Clement talking about him in uh the like first press conference before the game and mentioning that he was gonna get some good reps in. Uh and sure enough, he absolutely lived up to the hype that Coach Clement put out for him. I'm so glad that you brought him up. I'm so glad you brought him up. Adam. Absolutely. Because I, something that we talked about a little bit, just like texting each other, but never really had said anything about it on the pod is that we were kind of concerned about Uso being banged up, mm-hmm. but Damian Lalio was lights out and Javon Banks looks really, really good in pass rush situations from the nose as well. I think that's one of the, stronger positions that we have on this football team is those three at nose tackle. I really do. Talking about having fun. He also had the best celebration besides the shotgun for me. Uh, he did that big ass belly rub after. He yeah. Sat yeah. <laughs> like that's what I'm talking about. Get your ass out there, big man. Let him know. Like that's what I'm saying. It is so much fun when this defense is talking shit. Seriously, when this defense is out there having fun, flying around, jumping on each other, throwing up mob signs, it is one of the most entertaining K-State teams I have ever seen. I do want to jump over to talking about special teams. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Tennant. Dude, he was money, dude. He, like, a 51-yard field goal, no problem. He had plenty of leg. He, he That would have went in from, like probably at least 55 56 and i think that he's got more leg than that and on kickoffs man he was just killing them he was murdering that football out of the back of the end zone uh i I do want to 
I do want to say, um, if my dad's listening to this, there there was something that was a bit of a running joke with him in the year in like my earlier years going to K State that we never had a kicker that kicked it to the damn end zone. Like we would always kick it to like the five. Yeah, and it it is so nice with a kicker that I was kind of concerned about just because of the last year performance to see that right off from kickoff on the first kickoff. Uh, no problem with the 50 plus yarder. I put a tweet out that I, I went into the bill pretty early just to watch him kick. I just wanted to see him kick. And uh, it's weird. He, he looks better the further back he gets like he, he like just to be flat honest, he did miss like a few chip shots in, in pregame. I wouldn't call him chip shots. They were probably like 35, 40 yards, you know, but the further he got back, like he was just bombing like 55 yarders before the game. Like it was nothing. So he, he's got a huge leg and it always has seemed to be those shorter ones that, that trip him up a little bit. But, um, hopefully that, that 51 yarder gives him, you know, a little bit of confidence cause, uh, cause he looked damn good, both kicking the ball off and place kicking. Folks, welcome to Stinky Sightings, because, oh my God, were there some stinkers. Gentlemen, give me your worst. I mean, we could start off with the absolute worst, and and this is, in this case, it's just specifically the Big 12, because it was a bad, bad showing for the Big 12. Well, okay, I wouldn't say terrible, but there were some, there were some bad ones. Um, uh, I would say terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, Wyoming? I, I, Are you shitting me? Texas yeah, State, so, bro. Oh my I'm gonna, god! Real quick, I'm going to preface this with, um, so I could get a quick glance at all of these as a quick refresher on the final scores and stuff. I'm at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Big shout out to our buddy Joe Tillery. He works for Heartland College Sports. Definitely check him out. He does some good work. Anyway. So on this page, they have the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I guess I'm just going to start at the ugly. And yeah, I think I think Texas Tech losing to Wyoming 35-33 in double overtime. I don't know if it's that or Baylor that has the worst loss, but it was bad. It was very bad. And they started off 17 to nothing. Dude. When I tell you that I was 100% sure that there wasn't a bigger lock this weekend than Texas Tech minus 14, I, I, if I was a rich man, and I am not, I would have put a lot on Texas Tech. And, I mean, I don't know what Vegas saw, but holy cow, I was not expecting that. I don't think that Wyoming was even supposed to be that good because I remember looking at like the odds for the Mountain West because I'm a degenerate and was thinking about putting together like a conference champion parlay. And it was like Air Force and San Diego State and Boise State for sure were the top three. I think it was Air Force, Boise, San Diego State. And I don't remember what four was, but I know it wasn't Wyoming. Like they're, it's not like they're like, Tulane last year, you know, like it's yeah, and to, especially to be up seventeen nothing, um, I I hate to even say this, but I feel a lot better about going to Lubbock this year than I did before Saturday. Well, shit, Caleb. I mean, when we did our predictions, we uh, we both said that that was. I think you said it was going to be a loss, right? Yeah, we both said that we're losing that game. So, uh, yeah, we both did say that. Uh, I am no longer thinking that. 
I, I retract that. I'm still scared of Texas um, unless they figure that out. Uh, there is nothing to be scared about there. Uh, that was I, I love Texas Tech. Like their fans, they're a great universe. They're a great like fan base. That was a disgusting game. I'm gonna be honest. I think the Baylor loss reeks the most. I did not realize they were a four touchdown favorite going into that game against Texas State. So that's what I was gonna say is Baylor is the stinkiest team in the Big Twelve because of that fact, Adam. They that at least Texas Tech went to Laramie and lost at Wyoming. Like you're you're in Waco, you're four touchdown favorites, and you lose to Texas State by eleven, dude. That's bad. That was pathetic. Yeah. Like that was not a power five team. I don't know what the hell happened with Dave Aranda, but <laughs> I mean, this team, that was a coach that was competing for a big 12 title like two years ago. <laughs> what the hell is going on over there? I don't know, man. They look bad. They looked bad. Tech obviously looked bad. Like we touched on Oklahoma state looked bad. Houston squeaked one out against UTSA. He was actually supposed to be good this year, but I mean, you know, I had that as Virginia. one of the bigger wins for the Big 12 this weekend. And BYU, granted, they shut Sam Houston State out, and they're, this is their first year of FBS competition, but they only scored 14 points. So I, I, I don't know, yeah. man. I, they were slow uh, to get there. You know, honestly, like going into this year, I think all of us had high expectations, and I hate to overreact like week one, but I think my expectations for K-State are even higher because I think that – um really only like Texas and OU in this conference should beat us. And I think that we can give either one of them a great game. Going back uh, to the teams that weren't so stinky, a big win for Cincinnati. I know it's Eastern Kentucky, but I thought that uh, that higher this offseason was pretty shitty. Um, I mean, that's a good way to shut people up is winning by 53. Uh, Penn State, West Virginia, Penn State's good. Uh, West Virginia is not. Uh, I think they played well, only losing by <sighs> shit. What they lose by? Uh, Twenty three. Yeah, I mean it ain't good. Uh, it's just it's just what happens when you play a really good team. I can't hold too much against West Virginia on that. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't want to kick them while they're down. I mean, I wouldn't say we had ex- especially high expectations for West Virginia. In my opinion, Neil Brown should be out of there. Um, yeah. I don't want him to have a bad season because I really do like – I have friends who are West Virginia fans. I like West Virginia. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's I, would, I wouldn't say it was a special – I mean, it was a bad performance, but I wouldn't call it stinky just because I, I knew going into this game, other than the memes people were making on Twitter, that there was, there was not really a shot. You know, with BYU, I think that was a lot stinkier than what people are looking. Um, their quarterback, uh, BYU's, had a QBR of 26.7. And 145 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But uh, <laughs> I mean, that is that is not a good uh, stat sheet. Looking at their team, uh, and that's Sam Houston. So it's it's like a there that game specifically really made them look like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. It was like they had good defense and just like one of the more if not the most pitiful offensive performance of the big 12 teams this weekend. It was just so, so I remember checking the score and I was like, it hasn't changed, man. Yeah. I mean, Keaton Slovis, Keaton Slovis doesn't move me. Uh, he, he didn't his last three stops and he doesn't at BYU either. So 
I think they're in for a long year, honestly. I really do. Yeah, time to talk about TCU Colorado. Yeah, let's actually let's get into that. So, first of all, it's hilarious because I fucking hate TCU. It's so funny. <laughs> but but on the other hand, I don't really know if I like Dion and watching Dylan Edwards score four touchdowns definitely gave me some mixed emotions about TCU. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, that that was rough. Man. They reminded uh, me. They rem- you know what they reminded me of? Honestly, Eric. Like TCU what? reminded me of KU last year, where they're they're gonna put up a ton of points and their secondary has more holes than Swiss cheese. Well, Colorado, Colorado's defense is stinky too. Like Colorado's got Hunter, and he's a he is the best one of the best cornerbacks in all of football. And besides that, I think that if you ran. 10 straight QB reads, like a halfback option kind of thing, or a quarterback option, uh, I don't think they would know what to do with themselves. TCU simply ran the same play like four times in a row, and they had no, like, they really didn't need to throw as much as they did. Their defense, Colorado, had no answer to their running game. They ran the same play like three times in a row. And I I don't know if Chandler Morris is just because I mean like both offenses had a good game. It's it's hard to say anything bad. I mean Shadur Sanders Sanders is an absolute baller. I was definitely wrong about him, but um, yeah, they're holy stink fest on defense. Uh, I want to give him a little bit of credit because I was also somewhat wrong on him, but also like t- like Will Howard is going to break every record in the book when we play TCU in Manhattan this year. Their their secondary is atrociously bad. But um just real quick on Travis Hunter, I was just I was just looking at this. He had eleven catches for 119 yards and then on defense he had three tackles and an interception. <laughs> yeah I I mean how many snaps did he play? Yeah, talk, I mean number? talk about multi role players. It's just what a stud! Yeah, dude. that's that athlete. is uh, that's a once in a generation athlete for sure. I mean, that's that's the type of guy when you see him put like ATH in his in his Twitter bio, he means it. Yeah, he's not just a wide receiver; like he he is an athlete. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious if he'll play both sides of the ball in the NFL because I mean, I, I know like we just got done calling TCU's pass defense terrible, and it is, but. Everyone's like, well, he's the best corner in the nation. Well, he just had 11 catches for 119 yards on offense. So, like, he's one of the best receivers in the in the NCAA <laughs> as well. You know, it's just it's absurd. Good for him, man. Um, really quick, just adding on, uh, we're recording this as the Clemson and Duke game ends. Holy stinky for Clemson. Finished with seven points. Lost to Duke 28-7. to um, What the fuck? is my first reaction. Uh, K-State's going to move up in the rankings. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean, so. that's a good thing. I, uh, you, know, you know something? I uh, Part of me kind of thinks that Clemson's sort of falling off as, you know, that elite elite program that they were two or three good. years ago. And also, um, game one for Cade Klubnik with Garrett Riley as his O.C., and their offensive line didn't look too hot in the first half from what I watched. So I think it could be a little bit of a long year in uh, Clemson, South Carolina. But 
I mean, it, it's crazy when your running back is averaging more per carry than your quarterback is passing. Yeah, it's less than ideal. Well, we got two more things left for the episode, boys. Looking forward to Troy and next week's Big 12 game lines. Uh, obviously, the more important of the two. What are y'all thinking for Troy? I'm less worried than I was. Yeah. I think with a locker room that has experienced these tough September losses and a consistent quarterback, um, I don't want to say too much. I'm not particularly superstitious, but I'm feeling cautiously optimistic about this one. I'll quote Andy Reid, or at least paraphrase him. Looking forward to the opportunity to playing Troy on Saturday. We'll see how it pans out. I don't think I could say it any better than what Adam just said. I'd have nothing to add other than they uh, only beat Stephen F. Austin 48-30 to 30 last week. That's the only thing I'll add. In my opinion, Troy is not Tulane, so yeah. I'm not worried. Yeah, I think we're going to body bag them. I really do. I think – no, I'm, I'm serious. I think – what's the line? Yeah. 16 and a half, 15 and a half, something like that? No, it's um, 15 now. Yeah, K-State covers. Yeah, K-State covers. K-State. K-State covers. Well, looking at Big 12 game lines for the upcoming, uh, upcoming week, some ones that I'm a little – that have a little eyebrow raising is uh, Kansas, minus three and a half over in Illinois. It uh, was, I think, two and a half. It got raised a whole point. Um, I have Illinois covering that. Uh, I actually have Illinois winning. So I just don't know what to think. I know Illinois struggled really badly with Toledo, um, beat them 30 to 28 on Saturday. But um, I don't know. I think that Illinois is a horrible matchup for KU. So just the way that Illinois runs the football, I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's conducive to KU's defense, if they're going to be able to stop them from just having those long, long touchdown drives where they're just mauling them up front. So if I had to pick, I would probably honestly I I said earlier that I would take KU minus three, but at with that hook, like at minus three and a half. I kind of mm-hmm. lean Illinois now, um, but I'm just going to leave it alone, honestly. There's a lot of games that, especially from this last week, uh, while it's hurting, not a, an ideal betting yeah. week. The only team that really covered and did well for me was K-State. <laughs> same, same. Fucking Iowa unreal. State, too. I had Iowa State. Yeah, shut up. We, I don't really think we covered Iowa State enough. That they, they definitely yeah, they, surprised uh, me. They took care of business, man. They uh, Rocco looked good. Rocco Beck, their quarterback, uh, the Hunter Decker's replacement. He uh, he looked confident. He didn't throw really dumb, like didn't make dumb decisions like we saw Hunter Decker's do last year. Um, they look solid. No, they they look good. Dude. Yeah. And even better, uh, Cyclone Larry got to tell everyone they were wrong. No nutsack tasing. Yeah. It was a good week for Iowa State. <laughs> Definitely. Moving on to Utah and Baylor. Uh, this is very simple, in my opinion, which makes it complicated because why the hell is yes. uh, Baylor plus seven? Uh, exactly. Vegas knows something. I stinky, don't know, stinky, dude. stinky. I don't. Uh, not touching this with a seven-foot pole, but we'll definitely laugh if Baylor does something silly. 
Yeah, the fact that it's like I would be, I would feel better about betting Utah if they were like twelve point favorites than seven. Why are they only seven point favorites? Like I, is their starting QB gonna be back? I don't know. They don't need him to beat stinky Texas State losing Baylor. So stinky. Like I, I don't know. If I had to pick one, I'm probably picking Utah to beat that spread. Mm -hmm. I. But, God, I don't know. It's just with how weird this first week was, whether it was weird or whether it was a sign of things to come, honestly, this first week just added more question marks to what I expect the Big 12 to look like than I had going into the season. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I would say, for the most part, a lot of these games seem to be not hitting over. I don't know if this is a clock rule thing. I'm not touching Um, under overs right now. The clock is definitely fucking with people, and I think Vegas is taking advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska, Colorado. It's Colorado minus three. I am slamming. I am rocking Colorado minus three. Same. Yeah, that's free money in my opinion. Uh, And just because all three of us are so confident, Nebraska's probably going to win that game outright. Nebraska's going to cover. They're going to (laughs) lose because it's Nebraska, but they're going to lose by one or two. I have my actual money on Colorado. I actually picked that game, so... I can comprehend if they don't show up because, in my opinion, I would I would say that you could have possibly allocated a lot of energy to this opener. Like Colorado had a lot of sh- like. Th- this is a bit of a weird comparison, but everyone in here said Miracle in Manhattan. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know that part where they're talking about um, was it oh, shit Copper Bowl? Who who was it? Like who did we? Play? What? Yeah, is it Washington? Who do we play? Uh, Wyoming. 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 Okay. All they said the entire time leading up to the game is how they were going to shit on us, right? Yeah. Yep. All Colorado heard going forward was how Dion was fake. They were going to get shit on. That might have been a classic case of like taking shit for an entire offseason and circle the game. That is literally the only way that I can see Nebraska winning. This yeah. Game, is if Colorado doesn't show up. No, I think I think there's probably something to that because we saw a bunch of stuff released via Colorado's like socials about them talking about how no one's given them a chance to beat TCU and this isn't the same TCU last year and so I think there's something to that for sure. Iowa at Iowa State. Um, I don't know anything about this game, but I'm probably gonna bet the under because <laughs> Iowa offense stinky. Iowa offense very stinky. 36 uh, I and bet a half they're over total, this weekend dude. because I'm stupid. <laughs> 36 so. and a half is the total. That's <laughs> got to be one of the lowest totals I've seen in a long yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have uh, my actual money on this game as well. I have Iowa State plus three and a half, and I think that Vegas is going to keep the points. I think the clones are going to win this game. I really do. I, I want them to. I, uh, I find Iowa... I don't like Iowa, not because anything they've done, but because their offense was so offensive last year. That was, <laughs> Honestly, fair. That was a direct insult to anyone that's ever picked up a football. Honestly, um, fair. Absolutely vile. And going against an Iowa State defense that's historically been pretty formidable the last few yeah. years. I, They're going to make them look stinky. Oh, God. They're going to reek. Just Texas at Alabama. Uh, Alabama minus seven. I'll do an alt spread. I will increase that. 
I do not think this game is a seven-point victory for Alabama. I think they win by two touchdowns. Uh, it's in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I think uh, I think that Vegas has taken advantage of people think high on Texas, and they're forgetting who Alabama is because they had a down year in which they won a fucking New Year's Six Bowl. Like that was a down year for them, guys. Let's not act like they're not still Alabama. Come on. Yeah, uh, uh, I th- I'm with you 100 percent on this, Eric. I have I have money on Alabama minus seven as well, and I just want to say also that you know so much has been made about they don't have Bryce Young anymore. Where's this offense going to come out come from? And granted, it was Middle Tennessee State, but uh, uh, Jalen Milrow threw for three touchdowns and ran for two more last week. He had five touchdowns, so I'm thinking that they're going to be just fine. And uh, I yeah, they're going to kill them. I don't, I just, regardless of whether or not they've got Bryce Young, Alabama is Alabama. To me, this is almost more of a story of the fact that Texas was struggling against Rice. Yeah. I just, I don't know, man. I, I would definitely say that it's, it's Alabama's going to cover or is more than going to break that, that spread. Yeah, SMU at Oklahoma. I got Oklahoma covering 16. Uh, SMU's been a real prick lately, and they've annoyed me <laughs> to the point where I'm cheering for uh, SEC Oklahoma. Um, I I forget they exist, really. Like, I know TCU beefs with them, but I forget SMU exists every year. Um, an irrelevant team in school. So uh, they'll lose by over 16 to Oklahoma. I got to ask you, what do you think on the total? Because Oklahoma hung 73 this past weekend. <clears throat> I think they're, I think that SMU is going to give them a better defensive overall performance than Arkansas State, and I bet they score. But that is a fantastic line for Vegas, in my opinion. I will not touch that with a six-foot pole. No, I agree. I, I'd say, Adam, honestly, if I had to pick it, I'd pick the over because SMU can score some points too. But just, uh, I don't know. Like, what if Oklahoma – Yeah, you got to pick your battles, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm picking anything in this game, <laughs> if I'm picking anything in this game, I'm taking Oklahoma minus 16, but I'm staying away from all of it. <clears throat> Uh, Arizona State, Oklahoma State. You got Arizona State plus three and a half. Uh, I did not realize until recently that Arizona State starting quarterback is uh, was in the Elite Eleven with Avery, and um, he looked good until halftime. I, I know they had to sit for like two hour, three hours in between uh, the first and the second half. Arizona State because of rain. Rain, dirt, and lightning delay. Jesus Christ. Um, I I have no idea, guys. I have no idea on this game. Yeah. Absolutely zero. So, Jaden Rashada, their quarterback, uh, he was the kid who, if you'll recall, uh, Miami and Florida got in the bidding war for him, and he decided to commit to Florida because they offered him, like, a ridiculous amount of NIL money and then he got there in the spring and essentially they were like yeah we don't have that so he was like okay fuck you guys I'm transferring then I'm out of here so he was originally at Florida this spring and then uh transferred to Arizona State before ever even getting to fall camp at Florida so that's uh that's who that is um as far as the game I'm with you Eric I have I have no idea what to think about Oklahoma State because I I was kind of like 
there's no way they're going to be that bad. Like, they'll figure it out. Mike Gundy will figure it out. And then they went out there against Central Arkansas, and Alan Bowman threw for uh, 80 yards. So, <laughs> and and all, <laughs> all three of the quarterbacks played. The Wrangell kid and, uh, and Gunner Gundy, Mike's son, all played. So, I mean, they just – I don't know, dude. I have no idea. I part of me wants to take Arizona State plus three and a half just because they're at home and Oklahoma State sucks, but I don't know. All right, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. We got Pitt minus eight. Uh, I like Cincinnati to cover in this. Other than Kansas, just because, and I've talked about this before, their prior season <laughs> and being a big question mark and all that sort of stuff. Cincinnati being one of the new big 12 teams is like a huge question mark for me. So personally, I'm not touching this one. Yeah. I, I have no, I idea. completely agree with you, Adam. You're exactly right. Like on paper, I would love to take Cincinnati plus eight. I think that makes a lot of sense. Cause they look fantastic. Uh, Amore Jones looked really good. The quarterback. Um, but on the other hand, I just don't, I don't new coach. I have no idea about him. No feel about him yet. Haven't seen them play year in year out. So I just, I don't know. I want to stay away from it. Uh, Pitt looked pretty decent in their first game against Wofford, so I don't know. All right, next up we got Oregon at Texas Tech. This is my big surprise game of the week. I have Tech, I shit you not, winning this. I like Texas Tech at home as a recovery game. They're pissed off. Um, I think they're a lot better than how they played this past week. Now, gentlemen, this is a hot take. There is no shame in calling me out on it. Um, I just really don't think that this Texas Tech team is going to take that kind of loss and do nothing this week. Our brother is lost and confused, Adam. (laughs) Uh, I mean, really, the only excuse I can give Texas Tech for this past week is the fact that Wyoming's the highest altitude football stadium in the college football stadium in the country at 7,200 feet. And that's really reaching. I mean, when I start talking about elevation and a loss, you know there's some coke going on. <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a hot take for a reason. I could, but, I um, could see I could see Tech covering maybe, Eric, but I don't know if they're going to beat Oregon, man. No, I completely agree. I'm saying that because K-State lost a two-lane and then walked in and beat Oklahoma. I know Oklahoma turned out to be fraudulent and sneaky. Um, I'm just trying to connect some patterns here and I'm trying to cope with my Texas tech prediction. Uh, that's just my big surprise game. Uh, K state at Troy, no need to discuss. We'll cover Kansas state wins two and no, uh, Houston at rice plus nine and a half, uh, rice. I don't know enough about these teams to bet on it. And I'll be honest. I don't know enough about the UCF and Boise game to bet on it as well. The UCF Boise State game. So Boise State are three and a half point dogs on the Smurf turf. Is, am I reading that right? Yep. Yeah, give me Boise State there. I think I I, think- I, I agree with you. Uh, Adam said something earlier about uh, UCF practicing possibly on a blue field for the game. Nice. Yeah, I don't know if this is true or not, uh, but I do know that someone was saying there is a blue, uh, there's some Smurf turf. In Florida, that allegedly UCF is or is planning on practicing on this week. Um, uh, there's been so much trolling and stuff on Twitter. I'm not certain. 
Um, but that would be pretty funny if they were. Do you were. guys remember when Chip Kelly was at Oregon and they were playing a road game in Boise and they painted one of their practice fields blue? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I did not know I that. Do. For the final two, there's no line for Utah BYU. Uh, or sorry, Southern Utah BYU or Nichols at TCU. Um, but funny enough, I'm going to take Nichols to cover because <laughs> TCU stinky on defense. <laughs> Um, just a little bit of uh, Monday afternoon tomfoolery there. Well, here's my WAG wild ass guess for Southern Utah at BYU since we don't have a line yet. Uh, I would say if the point totals anything over 40, I might take the under on that just based on the fact that BYU's offense looked pretty foul. Um, but again, it really depends on what it opens at. And of course, Vegas is going to wait till the last minute because they got to win. So. Yeah, I think I think that that's actually a good spot to look for an under. I agree with you, Adam. Overall, uh, I just I need the Big 12 to like not look like dog shit. Uh, the Wildcat back is kind of hurting from carrying the conference, uh, considering <laughs> uh, two of the other good Good performances this week were from Oklahoma and Texas uh, was kind of stinky, no real verdict on it. So it'd be really cool if the other hatefully could, you know, step yeah, up. Yeah, can we can we pick up the pace a little bit? I'm tired of the. I mean, Jesus Christ! Guys. I spent all summer defending the the Big Twelve as a power three. We're we're, the, we're third place in this. I well, I don't know now. Building on that, Caleb, the SEC only played three ranked teams this uh, this week one, and all three lost. So oh, that's pretty interesting, you know, huh? Interesting. The Big Ten is the really the only one that looked mediocre, and Nebraska and Minnesota made me want to slam a fork into my eyes. So you sounded a bit like Russ Westbrook there, Caleb. Yeah, that's what I was going oh, for. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, I think that wraps it up for this week's episode of the Mobcast. Catch us next week going over the Troy game. Uh, if we lose, I'm going to delete my account. Um, I think that's about it. Guys, anything else? You'll never hear from me again if we lose to Troy. That's all. If we don't beat Troy, I'm not going to say what I was getting ready to say. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't even want to like speak it into existence, like some sort of crazy law of attraction bullshit. Uh, we'll beat Troy. Uh, think positive. Uh, folks, let's have a fantastic season. Great week one. Team look absolutely fantastic. No stinky at all. Uh, I'd like to have that continue into the following weeks. Uh, but for me, Adam and Caleb... This has been the Mobcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Love all of you. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. Beat Troy. <laughs>